Entertainment Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, coming up at 410. Joe Fortenbaugh from ESPN's Daily Wager. He'll join the show, talk all things, well, gambling, what's going on in the NFL, and talk about the fact that these players are getting suspended, and we'll ask him about the rules and how they need to be more specific, or if they need to be more specific, or if these players just need to do a bit better job of following the rules so they don't get suspended. That'll come up at 4.10. Then at 4.30, Michelle Smallman from ESPN and SiriusXM Radio as well will join the show to talk about that perfect game that myself and her were on the radio last night live witnessing and narrating and uh, had a really good conversation. So that'll come up at 4.30. So 4.10, Joe Fortenball, 4.30, Michelle Smallman. But right now, we'll take your calls and we'll take your texts and even your tweets. You can always Hit us up at your boy Q254 at Raider Nation Radio 920. That's at RR 920 AM. And of course, at Damon underscore the boss. And that's at D M O N underscore the boss. Mike, good friend of the show. Always love when Mike chimes in. Said, Q, wanted to send you a quick note to tell you how much I'm enjoying today's show before you go and ruin it with some McDaniel sound bites. M- much respect for how you handled that week of your son's death. You're a true man's man. That's our good friend Mike. Definitely appreciate him. And, again, it's really going back to the whole subject that we've had today when it comes to – and it's funny. I started the show. I had multiple subjects I wanted to bring to the table. I literally have multiple subjects written on our, our rundown. And this one caught fire so well and got so much great feedback. I was like, well, hell, let's not force another subject. Let's just go ahead and ride this one out and get as many, you know, good stories and good feedback as possible. So, you know, it's just sometimes it's, I, I like to call them like townhome meetings, right? You just like to uh, sit back and, and tell stories and, and, and share your messages and your testimony, and, and no one knows how much that could be helping somebody else. So that's what we're doing. So, Mike, thanks so much for that tweet. I definitely appreciate you. Also, speaking of tweets, uh, my guy, Doby Raider, uh, he hit us up on uh, on Twitter and said, heartfelt moment after 9-11, game five, World Series, Yankees-Diamondbacks. I am at Yankee Stadium, not a Yankee fan, and, uh, yeah, not a Yankee fan, and Yankees tie it up with the last uh, at-bat, 2-3 count, and win in extra innings. Never heard a crowd this emotional. Never felt closer to God somehow. Greatest sports moment ever. So, uh, yeah, there you go. We were talking about baseball, and uh, that's 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 awesome. Uh, so there you go. That's a really good moment right there. So you can keep those uh, you can keep those coming as well. In a matter of minutes, about five or six minutes, we'll have Joe Fortenbaugh from ESPN. As a matter of fact, Demond, I'm going to send you over uh, the number to hit him up at uh, right now as we speak. A little on air producing is how we do it. <laughs> that's that's what we do. Thank you. So yeah, yeah, man, that's what we do. Fix the thing with Doug as well. Okay, good. <laughs> So we got all kind of on-air production going. That's how we roll sometimes, you know, and, and that's how we get down. And since Mike did, did, said, said that the show was going really good, didn't want us to uh, to ruin it with some McDaniel sound, I'll actually save it, Mike. I'll do you a solid, man. I'll, I'll save it. Just wanted to go over a couple things that he had to say to Rich Gannon on 33rdteam.com, but we could do that for tomorrow's show because, well, we got a lot of good stuff, as I mentioned, uh, on, on the show and get a lot of good feedback that we've been receiving. So I uh, want to keep that going for a few minutes as we, uh, you know, get Joe Fortenbaugh coming up 
at uh at, at 410. And then, uh, matter of fact, Robin Oakland, speaking of Fortinball, says he has a story about an interview he had with New York Jets many years ago. He tells it in a funny way, and it may add le- uh, uh, levity, uh, levity to the show. Excuse me, if you want. That's Robin Oakland, a little nugget about our upcoming guest. So there you go. I like that. Appreciate that. And we've gotten a ton of text on today's show. It's great, man. I love it. Text, calls, tweets, all that really good stuff. So, uh, yeah, you can keep those coming at uh, 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. So, DeMond, I'm trying to think, has there been anything, like, in your professional career that you've, you know, you've experienced Besides, I mean, you told us the story about you doing the, the, the broadcast, you know, following 9-11 and how important that was. Is there anything else that you've, you know, you've kind of focused in on or you've done where it's like that, that helps you escape for a little while? I guess maybe just um, finding this career path, I guess, in college. Uh, Tim in Texas, he had his breakup story. Yeah. For me, the, like my, my uh, breakup over the Christmas break my freshman year of college. But then that spring, that was like my first time doing uh, baseball games on, you know, I'd never, I'd never done play-by-play. Right. And then most of those games, I'm doing them by myself. And it was just like, oh, no, I'm getting good at this. Or, you know, it was just like, oh, man, I've, I've found something where, you know, Tim in Texas, he, he was, you know, he was booking flights and going to Raider games. <laughs> but for me, it was like, oh, I'm finding a career right now. Right. And it's like, I've got all this free time now. And it's just, you know, just doing complete series over the weekends for UNLV baseball. And, you know, I found out, you know, it was fun to do it. And who was going to tell us? Because, you know, they were just now giving the, the college kids the rights to, you know, they yeah. got the rights back to do the games on the radio. I don't think I was that good at play-by-play on baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, it's um, always funny when you go back and listen to your early work. And we used to do this all the time when we recorded our show on tape. And obviously, you probably had never even seen a cassette tape. But okay, we did it and we had it. So I'd always listen to my show. After my show was over, I'd record all the times that we talked. It's called the air check. So we have it in, I put it in my car on my drive home and I'd listen. I'd be like, oh, that was great. Oh, that was terrible. Oh, that was awesome. Oh, that was bad. Oh, that was always, it was always so, you know, it was kind of eye-opening when you would listen to it back and you and you thought that you just had like the greatest show ever and then you're like oh that call sucked oh that was terrible oh man how'd i do that but yeah that's that's funny when you think back and you, you listen to your early work and you realize yeah it probably wasn't as good as i thought it was at that time but that's that's how you learn i'll tell you one thing i used to do before any of this radio stuff i didn't even know what kind of job i was ever going to do i thought i was going to be like a professional basketball player which that didn't happen but uh yeah i i used to always go to the basketball court there was this court around the corner from my mom's house uh it was we always called it uh what do we call it um i think we just called it central park but anyway it was this court where everybody went from the i mean not even in the area like people would import themselves to go to this basketball uh court where there was two courts the lights were on all night if you really wanted them to be it was really nice I would go there and I would play for hours. Like you would have to drag me off that court. Like if I was in a bad mood, if I was mad, like say somebody got on my nerves, like probably a girl got on my nerves, I'd hang up and go get in the car and drive to the court and I would be there all night. Like there'd be times where my mom would wake up and she'd be like, where's this boy at? And then she'd drive past the court and I'm out there playing. Just like angry at the world, right? Thinking I'm, I don't know if I thought I was about to – to get a contract or what, but I would be out there all stinking night. Like, you could not get me out of that court. I don't think that court exists anymore. I think that they turned it into a skate park or something. But that used to be the spot where folks from Oakland would come, from, from Fresno would come. I mean, it was 
Hayward, my buddy Corey, we used to go up there all the time. Like it was, we lived at this park, man. It was, it was a really nice hoop court, and I would be there all. Sometimes I would, sometimes cause I used to have to be at work at six o'clock in the morning at the grocery store. I would literally go out at like ten, eleven at night, whatever, play ball till two, three, four in the morning, whatever the case may be, however long. And I wouldn't even go shower or anything. I'd just go to the house, change into my my uniform for uh, for the grocery store. I worked in the meat department, so it didn't matter if I stunk, right? It didn't matter at all because I worked with the fish. So, it, you know, who cares? I'm going to stink anyway. So I'd just go like that, just fresh off the court, go change clothes real quick. Boom, I'm good to go. So that, that, that court was always awesome. Uh, I love that one. Uh, how about this one? This text real quick from uh, Big Brother Bubs. He said, uh, I'm surprised no one's mentioned the 1989 earthquake that happened in San Francisco with the A's and Giants. Games were suspended for a while, then resumed for the benefit of the fans to get on with their life. And that's when the A's swept. The A's swept the Giants. That was one of my proud moments as a Ricky Henderson fan that I am. Very proud moment there. And in 89, when that happened, I was in the base. I was in the street playing baseball at the time, and the street started moving, and I didn't know what the hell. I was a kid. I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on, but I look like I'm fast. I'm running faster than I ever have. Little did I know that there was a massive earthquake going on. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the Bay Area would, man, it would take a long time to recover from that. But good one, Big Brother Bubs. Definitely appreciate that text. Now, as promised, join us on the phone lines from ESPN's Daily Wager, Joe Fortenball, a guy who spent plenty of time up in the Bay Area. Joe, thanks so much for your time. And before we get into gambling and what's going on with these NFL players getting suspended, we've been talking about the performance last night from Domingo Herman and how monumental that was, not only because it was a perfect game, but the backstory behind it where he had lost his uncle like a day before and cried all night, cried all day, cried in the clubhouse, and then goes out and throws a perfect game. And how sports can do that for you. You can be going through something massive, and that's why you heard that about the, the 1989 the earthquake in the Bay Area, whatever, how everything went, went down and, and how the healing process. So I know you've got a couple stories of, of uh, moments that, you know, like healing happened. Our guy Robin Oakland actually said that you had a story that you did with the New York Jets many years ago uh, that you tell about the kind of story like this. Well, first off, I had the A's plus 130 in that game, so I didn't find it as amusing as you did or as heartwarming as you did. But that's mostly just a joke. Um, it was a tremendous story. I'm interested, though, what, what, what story about the Jets is being referred to there? It might be, I might be getting up there in age to where I don't even remember. I don't know. It's Robin Oakland says, Joe has a story about an interview he had with the New York Jets many years ago. He tells it in a funny way that uh, may add a le- levity to the show, if you want. So I just thought I'd throw it out there, and you would know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, an interview. Yeah, I mean, there is – okay, I see what he's saying. So back in the day when I was trying – I was coming out of law school. I was trying to get in with a front office somewhere. I wanted to be a salary cap guy. And I had been learning the CBA and studying and trying to work my way in the interviews. And God bless the New York Jets. They gave me an opportunity to come in and interview for a position that was opening up in the front office, lower-level position, someone who crunches numbers and data, things like that. Not trying to make it sound like it was a GM job or anything. Right. But I remember I sat down and, you know – like any good front office executive, they're going to hit you with a lot of questions and a, a lot of hypotheticals. And I was absolutely overwhelmed with how underprepared I was for that interview. And that's shocking to those who know me, because one thing that's big in my world is preparation, 
hard work, trying to stay ahead of the curve. And I walked into this thing and was just completely overwhelmed. It was like I was just out there getting hit by tidal waves. Now, credit to them. They were extremely friendly. They took me around and showed the facility, but I didn't even, I didn't even expect a call back. I got one because they were classy about it, but I had no shot at that job, completely under, overwhelmed. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Hey, look, we've all had that moment. I've had my moments where I just thought I had this job, and I walked into it, you know, cool breeze, and yeah, no, no luck. Right. No such yep. luck. So there you go. Well, it's been a fun show. What did you think about that performance from Herman last night, throwing the 24th uh, no-hitter in, in baseball history? I thought um, game, I it was extraordinarily resilient given the fact that his last two starts had been so horrendous. Yep. He, he got a 10-game suspension back near the end of May. Uh, umpires came out and checked his hands in a start against Toronto. A lot of sticky stuff there, so they threw him out of the game, gave him a 10-game suspension. He came back. His last two starts were just dreadful. I think it was 15 earned runs surrendered in just five and a third innings of work. So going into this game against the A's, you know, someone like me, foolishly, saw value in the A's at plus 130, and for him to go out there and just mow them down over nine innings, I mean, it's impressive because it's only the 24th perfect game in history. We haven't seen one since Felix Hernandez back in 2012, and these are going to become increasingly more rare because pitching staffs do not want to have pitchers out there for 130 or 140 pitches. I mean, Timmy Lincecum, if memory serves me correctly, has a no-hitter where he threw like 153 pitches. That's not happening in the regular season of a Major League Baseball game in this day and age. So you're going to have to have a lot of luck. You're going to need a team like the A's swinging at first pitch after first pitch to put you in a spot where if you're having the night of your life, your pitch count's not going to get too high. So the stars aligned, and he did a fantastic job. No, he really did. And then to put on top of that, I found out after the game, and it was actually I was doing live radio uh, with Michelle Smallman. Uh, we were doing it last night when we found out that he had lost his uncle as well. And I was yeah. like, wow, like that's, that's, that's what sports does to you. And, and I know you've been around sports, that so you've seen a lot of these stories as well. And sometimes it's just Like kinda, the Brett Favre Monday night yes. game against the Raiders, right? His yes. father had passed away. He decides to play. What did he throw, like six touchdowns in that game? <laughs> it felt like it. I think it was at least four, but it, it, yeah. it felt like six. So, yeah, that's exactly right. So that's kind of what we've been talking about throughout the course of the show. But I did want to, like I said, ask you about this gambling that's going on with these players and the suspensions that are coming and we found out about a few of them already and I, I just had so many questions and to me off top is is there enough clarity on what these players can and cannot do by the NFL there is 100% enough clarity it's okay. whether or not they have the attention spans to pay attention because it's not as if the, the, the teams and the league just kind of fail to mention that you can't gamble. If you've ever been in an NFL facility, the signs are everywhere. And this isn't something that's new since legalization started. This has been going on from the beginning of the NFL. They have made it very clear to everyone at every turn, you cannot gamble on this sport don't even think about it. It doesn't matter what it is, a prop, a side, a total. You can't bet on it. It doesn't matter if you're betting on your own team. Don't be stupid. This is what comes with the territory. Different jobs have different regulations. I work in TV. I can't go on air and start drinking, get drunk, and embarrass myself in the company. I can lose my job. Uh, maybe there are some jobs out there where you can have drinks. I can't. I have to accept that. They have to accept the fact that they can't bet on football games. And a lot of guys get it. 
but some of them, for some reason or another, just assume they can fire some bets. It'll be harmless. Maybe they'll get away with it. Maybe it won't be noticed. Bookmakers and these betting operations, they work with the league. They've always worked with the league, even pre-legalization, so that if something suspicious took place with a point spread move, they could alert the NFL, NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball. I mean, how do you think these fixed matches in women's tennis got called out? Bookmakers see highly suspicious activity, and then they alert the association, which looks into the match in question. So if you're signing up under the name Joe Fortinball, and Joe Fortinball is an NFL starting tight end, and that account is making NFL wagers, the sportsbook is going to let the league know about it. And if right. you're betting on property, the geo-tracking is going to get you as well, even if you're betting on the NBA or Major League Baseball. So learn the rules. Don't jeopardize your career. The signs are everywhere in the locker rooms. There's no reason this should be happening outside of just pure stupidity. Joe Fortenbaugh from ESPN Daily Wager joins us here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Necessary Roughness, and that's why I have you on to make a little bit of clarity. And you mentioned about you know things that are red flags, and Isaiah Rogers, $1,000 he, he bet on his own team last season. It was a prop bet on the over-under on rushing yards by a Colts running back. And the unusual part of this, which is it's already bad, but – his normal bets were twenty five to fifty dollars, but this one was a thousand dollar bet, Joe. Like how how what kind of inside information did he have on that? See, like that's that and that's what I'm talking about. So you're making a bunch of bets, bunch of bets in between twenty five and fifty bucks, which is essentially now your standard bet size. And then you're gonna go out there and you're gonna bet twenty times more the biggest bet you've made on a bet that takes place regarding your own team, players on your own team, and then it's an over-under. Now, we don't know if it's an over-under. If it's an under bet, oh, my God, does that look awful. I mean, this already looks bad, but if that's an under bet, that looks extraordinarily bad because he won that bet. So that's the type of thing the NFL is going to have no grace for somebody like that. Nobody wants to hear what your excuses are. I know nobody wants to hear what I'm about to say, but for the love of God, if you're on one of these teams and you're going to bet – why are you doing it on your own name with your own phone? I'd have to imagine you have friends, probably people who are on your payroll. Just have them do it. Now, that doesn't mean you should be using inside information in any way, shape, or form. But if you're betting the NBA or something else, why are you betting it on your phone? If right. there are other people in your life, especially ones that you're paying for, have them do it. I mean, how stupid do you need to be to do this type of thing on your own phone? You're not going to get away with it, and that's what we're seeing. The NFL's all over these guys. When it comes to betting, let's say, at the team facility, do you think that that's a rule that maybe should be taken out? Or if you want to just place a bet on the UFC, then, you know, the lines just drop, that it shouldn't matter if you're at the team facility or not? No, I, 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 I think that's a good question because, look, if it's your own downtime and you send text messages at the team facility and you need 30 seconds to place a UFC bet, you know, it doesn't seem like that would be that damaging. I think, though, if you're the league, you don't want anything to do with gambling outside of the advertising money that you are raking in from the official partners. You don't want anyone else doing anything, right? You don't want to create a situation where it's like, okay, you can, you can gamble on our property, but you can't gamble on the NFL. Just make it very clear. No gambling on the NFL under any circumstance. No gambling on team property under any circumstance. The only thing you can bet, non-NFL, and it's got to be away from the facility. I think you've got to make sure you're distanced from it if you're the league. You don't want to find out that a bunch of guys are firing bets in the locker room uh, in between you know, 
the double sessions in the summer, uh, even if it turns out to be baseball, right? You just don't. It's just a bad look for the league. You want to protect the integrity of the sport. But Shohei Ohtani just hit a homer in a, in a day game. I mean, you got to put that bet in when you got a chance. You know, he's hot right now. But- <laughs> I mean, he's red hot right now. He's red hot right now, man. That guy, I'll tell you what, we don't appreciate it. We don't appreciate it. He might be the great – we might be watching the greatest baseball player of all time, and we can't get out of our own damn way with NBA free agency and everything else. Not to say we shouldn't be talking about that stuff, but, I mean, it's possible we're watching the greatest baseball player of all time, and we aren't making nearly enough of a big deal about this. No, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. There is no doubt. Again, Joe Fortenbaugh is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Demond. Okay, yeah, so back to the gambling when it comes to the NFL. Do you think that hypothetical, like, hey, if it's a big enough name player, let's see what they do now? Or do you think that they'll be, you know, committed to this one-year suspension no matter who it is? Yeah, you're going to be – well, yeah, another good question. I mean, you got to stick firm on the policy because if you're not firm, depending on the players, then you're going to probably have union trouble. Like, you're going to come in and say, well, why is this guy getting one year when this guy did the same thing and he's only getting five games? I mean, again, it just needs to be made crystal clear. And the, the thing is, the penalties are probably only going to get worse if these guys don't stop. Like, last year, I think it was what? We saw Calvin Ridley suspended for a year. That should have been enough of a wake-up call that you can't bet on football. And yet a bunch of guys are still betting on football. Like, I get the guy at at the facility that maybe was walking to his car, looking at his phone. He fired a wager on the NBA. Okay, you broke the rules, but that's not necessarily the end of the world. Just get the hell off the property. But for the guys that are betting on the NFL, you, you just you have to be smarter than that. There's no excuse of, I didn't know or nobody told me. It's all over the facility, and since this has become legalized, they're having speeches and lectures and seminars on this at every turn. There's no way you can't possibly know unless you have not listened or seen anything whatsoever you have to be so checked out to not know that you can't do this and in that event you probably shouldn't be playing in the nfl anyway right no that's a good point about that joe i have this one question because there's key there's six key rules that the nfl is really emphasizing when it comes to gambling policy and number five is the one i have a question about it and listen to the scenario this is don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. And, and I let everyone know that one of my favorite places to go here in town is Green Valley Ranch, right? Green Valley GVR, right around the corner from yeah, my baby. house. Yeah, baby, I live in Henderson. I love going to GVR. I'm there, there all the time. Shout out Hank's. It's my favorite restaurant in town. There it is. There it is. Bone-in ribeyes for everybody. That's what yeah, I'm baby. talking about. So, I, okay, so you know where I go, and I park inside the, the parking garage, and I walk through those big double doors, and as I look over my shoulder, what do I see? I see the sports book. Now, have I entered a sports book or have I entered a casino? Okay, that's a great question. I think in a scenario like that, you have enough cameras everywhere that you would be able to roll back the footage, take a look at what actually happened. In the scenario you're laying out, if you're walking through the garage, and I know exactly what you're talking about, I, I play in all the contests that stations offers, uh, college football, last man standing, NFL, last man standing. I park in that same garage, and I come running through that door yep. every Saturday morning to get my picks in like a complete lunatic covered in sweat because it's the last possible moment. So <laughs> that's a story that's neither here nor there. But I know what you're talking about. If you would be walking in through there, and you take a look, and you see that the game's on, but then you continue on your way, I would imagine that that would be looked at and said, all right, this isn't necessarily a violation. He parked in a parking lot. He cut through. He was close, but he ended up going 
going to the pool or the restaurant or the check-in or something else. Or but hate. if you're hanging out in the sports book, <laughs> if you go in there and you start watching games, right. even if you're not betting, again, it's a violation. These are right. just things that even if they seem, even if they seem crazy and innocuous, that's the rule. And if you're playing in the NFL, you can't do it. It sucks. But those are the rules. If you hate it that much, leave the NFL, and you can go sit in the sports book all day long. We had Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal on the show yesterday, and he mentioned Circa. There's so many gray areas when it comes to being in Vegas. What do you think about that, a location where it's essentially just a giant outdoor sports book? Okay, so if you're talking about Circa Sports and going into the book itself, I think that's pretty clear. If you're talking about area. Circa Swim, yeah. Now you got a situation where, yes, there's a sports book out there, but how do they define that? It has a sports book, but to my understanding, that's a pool with a sports book. If the rule is you can't hang out in a sports book, well, it's very clear that there's a sports book inside. We all know it. We all love it. It's absolutely fantastic. But that pool is probably viewed more as the pool than it is a sports book. So it might just be a pool with a sports book. That's what I'd be arguing. If you're not out there betting, I'd be arguing, look, I'm out by the pool. I'm swimming. I'm having something to eat. There's pools all over town. Yes, there happens to be a sports book here, but there's kiosks everywhere. Like under that, uh, under that policy, like if I go into a PTs or anything around here that have kiosks for some of the William Hill apps or anything like that, like what happens then? Am I now in violation of that because I wanted some chicken wings? I don't think so. <laughs> Right. Now, that's that's the scenario that me and Adam threw back and forth at each other yesterday, and that's why I wanted to get your opinion on a little bit more clarity on what we could be talking about. Obviously, I'm not in the NFL, so it doesn't matter, but I am down <laughs> for a dinner at Hank's anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no doubt, man. That that I, They take such good care of people over there. That's the thing. I know a lot of people say, well, wait a minute. How's a steakhouse your favorite restaurant in town? You have so many great restaurants in Las Vegas, and you do, but that place has been so good to me and my wife. Mm -hmm. The service has been so outstanding. I'm in there as much as I possibly can. And they make a hell of a martini. I'm very particular with my martinis. It's the only place that has never screwed it up. I go extra dirty. I go to places all the time. They don't put enough olive juice in or they put way too much. Hank's always knocks it out of the park, so that's got my vote. I get the smoked uh, old-fashioned. I, I just yeah. like the presentation. I love it. So Yeah, uh, absolutely, <laughs> man. I mean, every, you can't go wrong there. You no. got great service. Yep. You're priced pretty well. The food's fantastic. Everything about it, the atmosphere is great. My favorite thing to do is hanging out in that lounge for the happy hour. Yes. But now I'm on this radio show telling everyone about it. Now I have to be <laughs> fighting for seats. So this right. is probably a huge mistake. Yes, it definitely was. And it's probably a huge mistake for me as well because now I'm not going to get a good seat in that lounge area either. But, uh, Joe, <laughs> fantastic stuff man thanks for the clarity i definitely appreciate it what what are you working on i know the daily wager each and every day you were on the radio earlier with freddie coleman heard that what you got going on that we should be on the lookout for yeah, I mean, the radio show is Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio National. We go 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern, so out here it's 4 to 6. Q, when she's out, I've tried to have you on as a co-host, but you're always busy doing this show, so I haven't been able to work with you yet, but I know we'll get there at some point. And then, of course, Daily Wager, ESPN 2, weeknights, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, 3 to 4 Pacific. A lot of people in town have checked it out, and they said a lot of kind words. So if you're one of those people listening right now, thank you so much for the support. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time, Joe. I appreciate you. We'll catch up soon. 
All right, fellas. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Take care. All right, brother. There he goes. Joe Fortenball right there again. Joe and Amber, ESPN National. And, yeah, I've tried to you know, jump on with him a couple times. But, uh, yeah, there's this show going on at the same time. So maybe a day that unnecessary roughness gets uh, preempted, I could jump on with him. But it's, it's, a, it's a blessing to be able to share the airwaves for a few minutes with Joe and a little bit more clarity. And he doesn't think that there's anything wrong with the rules, and they're pretty clear. And so uh, I like to hear both sides of the conversation, and that's what we do here on Unnecessary Roughness. 426 is the time we'll take a quick break come back michelle smallman she'll join us to talk about that perfect game last night at the oakland coliseum this is red nation radio 920 and her mind the righty deals to the plate swung on ground ball to third donaldson's up with it he throws to first domingo herman has pitched a perfect game for the fourth time in the history of the new york yankees perfection attained now back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. There's the highlight right there. The perfect game. Domingo Herman. Last night, the Yankees spanked the A's 11-0, but the runs didn't matter. It was about the perfect game. It's really fueled the whole show today here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. And join us now on the phone lines from ESPN, Sirius XM Radio. She's doing radio all over the place, including with me last night, Michelle, Michelle Smallman. And, Michelle, thanks so much for your time. And I, I started off the whole show telling everyone how we were doing the show last night, Freddie and Fitzsimmons on ESPN, and all of a sudden this moment happened where we were able to kind of be the soundtrack to this perfect game that doesn't happen very often, only 24 times in Major League Baseball history. How awesome was that to be a part of last night? It was really special, Q, and it's great to recap it with you after we got to break it down in real time last night. But this is one of the reasons why we love sports. When you and I started the show, we were talking a little NBA, a little NFL. We were kind of moving the topics around. And on any given night, on any given game, something really special can happen, and you can see history. And we saw it last night with Domingo Herman and the New York Yankees. And it's so unbelievable, Q, as I've been kind of processing this throughout the day, only 24 times in Major League Baseball history has this happened and that we got to watch it happen last night and talk about it. It was pretty cool. No, it was. And then for me and you both to find out at the same time the backstory of the passing of his uncle and how much that meant to him and hear the emotions in his postgame interview, I mean, that was something in itself. And, and I mean, the look on my face was crazy when, when I heard that. I was like, wow, that's special. And that really showed his – you know, focus, his laser focus and the way that he was just kind of locked in and going out there and pitching and having that performance. I wish I would have been recording your face, Q, because your your jaw literally dropped open when he shared that with uh, with Meredith in the post game when he was talking about his uncle because you you know, you always see this in, in sports where people are able to channel their grief and do something remarkable. But when he was talking about the fact that he spent all day yesterday crying in the clubhouse and that from the start of the game, throughout the game, he wanted to dedicate this outing to his uncle, and he kept thinking about it the entire time, and that he was thinking about a perfect game. It just illustrates how some of these people are built differently, Q, because if that was me, I don't even think I'd be able to do the game. I, I think my emotions would have taken over and that I might not be able to do it, but instead, Domingo Herman was able to channel it and give really the outing of a lifetime. And when you think about the fact that that happened with his uncle and he was emotional and he was able to put that aside. And the fact that he had allowed 10 plus runs in his previous start. And he's the first pitcher in major league baseball history to be able to have 10 plus runs in a, in a start prior and then pitch a perfect game. He really was on a different level physically and mentally last night. 
There's no doubt about it again. Michelle Smallman is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And so the, the question that I threw out there earlier, Michelle, on the show was, you know, has there been a moment in sports for you that helped get your mind away from some grief that you were going through or some tragedy that you were going through? Or is there a time in history that you remember of sports doing that where everyone really came together? And what really stood out to most people on the show today was after 9-11 how the whole country came together because of sports. Yeah, that's the first one that I think of. I'll never think that anything is more powerful than when President Bush went out there and absolutely nailed that first pitch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the, the weeks after 9-11 at Yankee Stadium, that was just, I think, one of the great moments in sports and in American history because of everything that was happening. But another one that comes to mind, Q, is when baseball returned in the midst of the pandemic. And, yes, it was weird because there was no fans in the stands, um, yes, you know, when the NBA came back, it was in the bubble, but that was something that all of us were going through an unprecedented time. We were really scared. A lot of us were locked in our houses and not going to work, and the future was uncertain, and sports is always a distraction, but especially at that time when you are dealing with so many uncertainties and so many obstacles on a day-to-day basis, people were sick, people were losing loved ones, and sports really became the outlet for all of us. It it always is, but especially at a time like that. I'll I'll never forget when I went to the first Cardinals game during the pandemic. There were no fans in the stands. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever been to in my entire life. There was only a few of us that were allowed in the press box to cover that moment. You know, we're all masked up, but Mm -hmm. sports finds a way to persevere and, and become the thing that brings us all together. Right, exactly, and that's why we really rely on sports so much because it does exactly what you just said. It brings us all together. Again, we're talking right now with Michelle Smallman from ESPN, Sirius XM Radio, here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Devon. Michelle, I've got to ask you, for me, this has been one of the most fun baseball seasons I can remember. It's reignited, you know, my my love of the game. Has this been one of the most fun baseball seasons you can remember, and we're not even at the All-Star break yet? It really has, and there's so many fun storylines that are happening in baseball right now whether it's the Rays or, you know, even the Mets not not performing in the manner in which we thought they would. After Steve Cohen opened up the checkbooks, I know Mets fans probably don't want to hear that, but it's certainly interesting. But the rules changes in baseball have been a home run, sorry for the cheesy cliche, and I know a lot of people don't love Rob Manfred for one reason or another, but to me, this is always going to be linked with his legacy. Baseball and Rob Manfred really flushed these out, and it has been a roaring success as far as I'm concerned. The pitch clock has been amazing. The fact that I can go to a Cardinals-Mets game here in New York, guys, and the game lasts two hours and one minute is amazing. And in today's world where we're distracted by our phones and a million different things happening all the time, baseball needed this. They needed this infusion of energy, uh, this infusion of us being locked into the games and into the plays and athleticism being brought back into the games. And I just think we're viewing baseball in a way that we haven't in previous years, and I've been loving it. Yeah, you mentioned how, you know, the rule changes, they've helped the game and the storylines that we've got, all the players that are just putting on historic historic performances at this rate. What's a player that maybe that stood out to you? You're like, man, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Well, I hate to give you the the cliche answer, but it's always Shohei Otani. No, nothing wrong with that. I know, you know what I mean? I know it's the obvious answer, but sometimes the obvious answer is the correct answer. And it drives me nuts that Shohei Otani is buried in Anaheim and buried in the, in the West Coast time zone because when I think about what this guy is doing, he is a unicorn. This is not only a once-in-a-generation player, this 
he's a once-in-a-sport type player. I mean, what he is doing is just insane. And I hate that the entire country doesn't get to see this guy on a regular basis. And I hope, I know that the market is going to be limited for him based on what he's going to command, but I'm just hoping that he ends up somewhere where we get to watch him all the time, where he has a chance to contend and that we can see him in the playoffs and we can see him winning World Series. Because any time that you watch Shohei Otani play baseball, you need to be Locked into what you're seeing because you're probably not going to see a player like this ever again. Do you think that any contender maybe just says, hey, why not just throw our head in the ring and see if we can make a trade for him and make that playoff push? I hope that they do because I want to see him in the playoffs. I think that it's going to come down to you know a team that can afford him, a big a big market, big money team, the Dodgers, maybe the Yankees. And with Judge out, what what are the Yankees going to do? They're obviously in a tough position right now, and I know that they uh, have kind of gone on a little bit of a win streak here. You have Anthony Volpe who's finding his rhythm again. You had Domingo Herman with the the perfect game last night. Maybe that's enough to turn the tides for them, where they can find some consistency in the wake of losing. Aaron Judge, but I hope that the Yankees or the Dodgers or a big market team goes out and gets Otani because I want to see him play and I want to see him in the postseason. And I'm a girl from St. Louis, Missouri, who normally wouldn't want a star like that to go to a big market team, but I just I want to see him get the opportunity to compete for a championship. Again, we're talking with Michelle Smallman here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. What about this team? What about the San Francisco Giants? Can they make a play for Shohei? Maybe. That one's interesting. I could I could see that. And they're a team that has that championship caliber. They would go out, put all their chips with him. And, you know, the, the Giants are kind of do guys. They're one of those franchises that they have the ebbs and the flows. They, they're down for a few years, and then they win a championship. They go back down for a few years, and then they win a championship. So maybe acquiring Shohei Otani is exactly what they need. That's Mama Q's team, so <laughs> she's, she's hoping <laughs> for the best. <laughs> so she, she lives and dies by everything San Francisco Giants. She gets mad at them, and then she's happy with them. And she's mad at them, and she's happy with them. But, uh, yeah, they've got a lot of championships. There's something about that Giants DNA. They find a way to win, win the title. Like you said, they'll, they'll lose a couple years, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're right there again, and they're in contention for the championship. Absolutely. And, yes, I know that they always find a way to win because my St. Louis Cardinals have been knocked out by them many times. Travis Ishikawa, I will – Always hear that in my nightmares. That's called the Travis Ishikawa walk-off. Right. There's definitely that. And speaking of <laughs> speaking of your Cardinals, I got to ask, and we talked about it briefly oh. last night on the show as as they lost to the Astros. They were winning, and then all of a sudden, boom, they, they, their pitching wasn't very good, and the Astros, uh, they, they won that game. When are they going to turn it around? Because I'm expecting them to at some point. We all expect them to because this is kind of what the Cardinals do. Not that they are – ever in the basement of the NL Central, you know, on the 29th of June, because that's certainly not a St. Louis Cardinal type team, but they find a way to put it together and to sneak into the playoffs. This is, I I can't tell you how many times over the past 10 years since the Cardinals have last won their, well, it's over 10 years now, it's 2011, the last time the Cardinals won a World Series, but they will have a down month or two and then they'll get really hot in August and September and they'll make that push and they'll find a way to sneak into the playoffs but I think this year might be the outlier I think this year might be the time that that bites them and they don't get in I mean they're nine games out right now in the NL Central and yes it's a weak division yes they could come back and find a way and I know that the last time they did win a World Series they were ten and a half games out and they went on a magical run but 
at some point, the philosophy of we have to be good enough to get into the playoffs is not enough. You have to build a team to win a championship. And last year, you had Yadier Molina, who even though he wasn't giving you what he had with the bat, he's still a defensive force. He's still calling games. He's still that culture guy in the clubhouse. And you had Alpha Pujol, who even though he was in the final season of his career, was the best offensive player for your team during a stretch. You had Paul Goldschmidt, who was the NL MVP, who's still on the team, and Nolan Arenado. But I think, guys, that they thought Arenado, Goldschmidt, and the defense that they had, the gold glove caliber guys, were going to be enough, and they forgot to address the pitching. And pitching wins championships. They they needed to make a move in the offseason. They didn't get it done. They went out and spent all their money on Wilson Contreras, which has been um, controversial up until this point, to say the least. And even though I think that they'll find a way to go on a bit of a run in the second half, I don't think it's going to be enough. I don't see them making the playoffs. I want to talk about someone that has a bit of a Cardinals connection, Skip Schumacher, the manager for the Marlins. Now they get rid of Don Mattingly, and they're close to getting last year's win total already. Are you surprised at just how good of a manager he's been? Absolutely not. Skip Schumacher is one of my favorite guys, and the second that he got that job, I said, it's about time. And I know that sounds crazy since he's never been a manager before, but he is one of these guys that if you were in St. Louis, you knew he was going to be a manager, and you didn't know if he was going to be the manager of the Cardinals or somewhere else, but he has had that quality in him since he was a player. This is an unbelievable leader. He's an unbelievable baseball guy, and he understands a clubhouse. This is someone that extracts the best out of the people around him. He knows how to put together a winning team, and I'm thrilled that he got this opportunity, and I am in no way surprised that the Marlins are having great success under Skip Schumacher, and I'm, I'm pumped for him. I really am, and it was a, a tough loss to see him leave the staff in St. Louis, i got to be honest, but glad that he got the opportunity. Yeah, I don't, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're a country, you know, I'm a man without a country when it comes to baseball. So I've kind of <laughs> adopted bad. the Marlins because I'm like, man, this is a fun team. They, you know, they got the cool players. I mean, I like Jazz Chisholm, but my last one for you, I've got to ask, it's been taking the country and me by storm. Are you playing the Immaculate Grid? I've never even heard that. I don't oh, know that what? Is. It's a baseball game. It's tic-tac-toe related. And you have to like guess baseball players and get their corresponding boxes. Oh man, it's it's a. Where, I'll, where do I get this? Is this an app I download? How do you, I play this game? Search it on Twitter, Immaculate Grid. They put up a new grid every day, and then even when you guess like an obscure player who played for the Royals and who also played for the Orioles, they give a percentage of other people that have guessed that player. So you want to get someone that's like under one percent. It's such a fun game to test like your baseball knowledge. I recommend it to everybody. Okay, I'm gonna have to check this out. You know, every day I'm playing Wordle. I'm I'm doing the the New York Times crossword puzzle. But this sounds like it's right up my alley. I'm gonna have to get in on that. It's Wordle for ba- it's baseball. Like it's baseball Wordle, basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you just enlightened me, and I'm gonna have to get in on this. This sounds awesome. Well, Michelle, he just enlightened me that obviously I'm not giving him enough work to do. So he's. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing video games, so I got to make sure that I give him a little bit more extra work. Well, final question for you, Michelle, and this is fantastic. It's great uh, catching up with you. Um, the A's, they're, they're supposed to be headed to Vegas. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? It looks like they're on their way. Follow the money. The money always tells you the truth. And so if they do end up in Vegas, I've been saying they can't keep, the, keep their same business plan. They've got to spend money because Vegas will not go to the games to see not at least the the oppose or the the A's they'll go see the opponent but they won't go see the A's if they're putting a bad product out on the field. Do you think the A's will open up the the pocketbook if and when they get to Vegas? 
This is a, a subject matter that's close to my heart, Q, because I am a displaced St. Louis Rams fan. I know what it's like to have your franchise ripped from you, and my heart breaks for Oakland because it looks like they're going to lose yet another team, and those fans don't deserve it. Right. But I don't know if baseball is really caring about whether – uh, Vegas fans show up to cheer for the A's and they have a really big homegrown fan base. I just think they want butts in the seats. And yeah. I think that as long as tourists that come to Vegas and people that want to party or opposing fan bases are coming, as long as people are coming through those turnstiles and they're buying hot dogs and they're buying beers and they're wagering on the games, the A's and Major League Baseball are winning. And I know that that's a sad, sad fact, but that's what we saw with the Rams in L.A. They didn't care if there was a homegrown fan base. They just wanted the valuation up. They just want to print more money. They want a new, a new shiny stadium, and they want anybody in the stand. So maybe they'll reassess and they'll think we're in a new market. We need to make a splash. We'll chuck out our Moneyball baseball model, and we'll go out there and put together a winning product. But unfortunately, I think at the end of the day, they're going to realize that people like me are going to come to Vegas to party for someone's birthday, and they'll be like, hey, why don't we catch a baseball game? <laughs> right. No, you make a lot of sense, and that's why I ask you because you make a lot of sense. As much as I don't like it as an A's fan, I uh... – yeah, I get it, and it makes a lot of sense. Well, when you come out here to party for a, for a friend's birthday and go to a game, uh, we're definitely here. So we definitely uh, need to link up and make sure we do that. And I know, Michelle, that you're doing a lot of different shows as you were on Freddie and Fitzsimmons uh, last night with me. You did a show earlier today. I'm sure you got another show. What, what's coming up next for you? Tomorrow I will actually be on Greeny on ESPN <laughs> Radio 10 to, two, uh, 10 to 12 excuse me, Eastern Time. Okay, there it is. Well, we'll be listening to you uh, here locally. So, uh, Michelle, thanks so much for your time again. It was great doing a show with you last night. Thanks for uh, joining us this afternoon. Thanks for having me. Anytime, Q. Appreciate you. There she goes, Michelle Smallman, ESPN, Sirius XM Radio. She was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons, Canty uh, and Carlin earlier, and now Greeny tomorrow. So she's just moving up the dial. That's all she's doing, moving up the time. And pretty soon she'll be on for Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max as well, all on the ESPN dial. And so I'll be doing uh, ESPN Radio tonight as well, 6 to 10 p.m. Pacific time, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. But I will be on with Rob Stats Guerrera instead of uh, Michelle. So there you go. Uh, new, new guest, new host each and every night. It's a lot of fun. Uh, definitely good catching up with Michelle there. 448 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, wrap up the show. It's Red Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. It's been a fun show today. A lot of great feedback. Love hearing from you, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. And the don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword R&R. Had Vinny Bonsignor on earlier today, Joe Fortenbaugh. We just heard from Michelle Smallman. Really good guest on the show, and like I said, hearing from you, Raider Nation, has been great, both on the phone lines and the text lines. Speaking of the text lines, 69187, keyword R&R, Jim from Yonkers said, when my dad won his first New York City Catholic High School basketball title in 1990 with Jamal Mashburn, he never recruited and lost three other times previously. His health was in question in the mid-'80s, and he had to take it easy. The monkey was finally off his back. Many people, including the family, were happy and lifted that one of the best coaches had finally won it. He is still with us and took me to my first Raider game at the Meadowlands the year Plunkett rose from the dead and took us to the title. He, too, showed everyone not to give up. Thank you for a great show. That's fantastic. That is awesome, and Jim has shared before with us that his dad was a high school coach and his coach as well, and I think that that's awesome that you know the coach that everyone loved, the coach that everyone rooted for, just never really got over the top, 
and then finally was able to get over the top, that's that moment as well. And then to know that, you know, the, the health situation was going on and also he took him to his first Raider games. There. I mean, it's just there's so many storylines within that little text. Uh, that's that's fantastic. That's the kind of stuff that we talk about. And, you know, it's funny when he thinks about the uh, – he, he's talking about the coach and, you know, not being able to get over the top. I think about Joey McGuire, who's the Texas Tech head football coach, who we had on this show, Tyree Wilson's old coach. This, this guy was a high school coach. When I first met Joey McGuire, he was a high school coach in Texas. Ended up at Baylor as an assistant coach because Matt Rule needed to have some Texas ties on his Baylor staff. So he brought in Joey McGuire, who's well-respected across the state of Texas. And that's when I really became close with Joey McGuire. But everyone rooted for him because, man, he's just a good dude. Just like the interview that you heard here on the show. Just a good dude, got a great attitude, he's a good coach, and... You know, the guys, just you could tell that they gravitated to him. So when Matt Rule left, a lot of the players and a lot of the staff there at Baylor wanted Joey McGuire to get that job bad. And they ended up giving it to Dave Aranda, who did a good job. Don't, don't get me wrong. He came from LSU, big-time program. And he kept Joey McGuire on because he had that much respect for him. Now, you look a couple of seasons later, Joey McGuire is at Texas Tech, has his own program, right? He's, he's just put a, a player into the NFL top 10 pick. He's, he's won games that Texas Tech has never won. He's brought defense to a, a, a conference or a team in a conference that doesn't play defense, right? I mean, there's so many things. It's just like that's the guy you want to root for, right? And, and, and it doesn't matter if you're a, a Red Raider, you're a Longhorn, you're a Baylor Bear, you're a Kansas Jayhawk, whatever it is, you know, you're, you're a, a Wildcat of Kansas State. It doesn't matter. Like, Joey McGuire is that dude. Like, everyone has to look at him and say, you know what, damn it, let's root for that guy. That's a good dude. That's the kind of stories that, again, you get in sports, Damon. I'm glad that we got that story there from Jim from Yonkers, that text, because we haven't been talking about high school a lot, and I'm sure that Jamal Mashburn's probably got more fond memories about Jim and Yonkers' dad right. than, let's say, Dick Mata, who was the coach in Dallas his, his rookie year. Yep. Or it's like Because the high school memories – those men, sometimes those are like the most memories that you keep from sporting events where it's just like, man, that meant a lot to me in the moment. And I know it means a lot for those coaches to help get those young men over the top. So that was a great story there because this whole show, I haven't really thought about, you know, high school or childhood game memories. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Good stuff. Big Dub Raider said, Q is a loyal Dodger fan and hater of the Giants. I'm so happy the Cardinals are in last place. Can't stand that organization that Cardinal way. Thumbs down. Go Raiders. That's from Big Dub Raider. Also, how about this one? Uh, from the 626 Q, I'll never forget Tyson versus T- Douglas. We were uh, having a watch party, and when Iron Mike got knocked out, everyone sat there in total shock. The ladies were crying in disbelief. One of the homies drove home later that night and never made it home. A night of double tragedy. Sad memory. Go Raiders. So there you go. That's from the 626 right there, talking about uh, the night that Iron Mike Tyson got knocked out for the first time and laid on that canvas and thought, what the hell do I do now? I remember when that happened, too. I was, I was thinking that. Well, what is he going to do now? I ain't never seen that dude on his back. I don't even think he even sleeps on his back. Like, I mean, that dude, he, he, he ain't never been knocked down. What the hell? What are they going to do? Well, that was uh, the beginning of the end right there for one Iron Mike Tyson the first time that he got knocked out. So thank you so much for that. And, again, thanks so much for all the feedback. We got so much Great feedback on the text line, uh, 69187, keyword R&R, and, of course, the phone line as well. We do it each and every day. So uh, make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate. They'll have your next opportunity to get qualified for that trip to Maui, get you qualified for the aviator tickets, which will get you qualified for that trip to Maui, and a whole lot more. Call us right now and be calling number nine because we never ask for you. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Call number nine, 702-365-9200. You'll be our, you'll be our qualifier on the way out. Serenation Radio 920. Good night.